Hello and welcome to the channel that teaches you the things your parents and teachers are too afraid to. The Helios Blog. Today, Jordan Peterson versus Piers Morgan. And it's the famous, or should I say infamous, give him hell tweet. This should be interesting. The reason she's alone is because she's difficult. Women are not accepting the bare minimum. Women fuck men they respect. All the women who say things like, I'm strong, independent, I don't need no man, like, y'all impress me. Women just gaslight each other and say what they want to hear. Well, Jordan's looking worried here. Eh? The authorities who are basically tyrants, who are more than willing to use their own citizens as cannon fodder, it put a lot of pressure on them to actually do something moving moving towards a genuine peace, which is why now Iran, that's why Iran is so desperate to scuttling accords, I think. Of course. You know? So I think the way through Ham- Hamas, all things considered in the medium to long run, is to desperately extend the Abraham Accords as rapidly as possible. That's not a military victory, but, you know, when, when you it's look easy to do this from when, the armchair. When you look at the full history of this conflict, the seven decades of, of, of conflict, between Israel and, and the Palestinians. Jonathan Friedland is a, is a very good, uh, respected Jewish journalist uh, for The Guardian in the UK. He wrote a very interesting column the other day saying, you know, you could argue that both sides have a just cause here. Mm-hmm. And he said that is a- Or an unjust one, you know. A leading Jewish commentator, that historically, both sides have a just cause and that it's important to remember that. And that's why passions run so high. It's why people care so much. It's a unmitigated disaster and a big surprise considering the history of, of the region, you know. But anyway, I, I'm far from a political commentator. But anyway, um, it seems to me that if you put a, you know, non-Arabic state in the middle of a bunch of people that are, you know, Muslim, things are going to go bad in the medium, short, and long term. I don't know. How could, how, how could that possibly go wrong? Um, anyway, and, you know, not sure that war is actually the, the best solution to, to problems, but again, when tensions run so high for so long and you basically have, you know, the old honor system where one person stabs another person's eye out and the response is to do the same back, then you get what you get, right? And it's why racing to take sides uh, is a mistake in this conflict. What do you think of that? Well, I think that, you know, if there wasn't a lot to be said on both sides, then the conflict wouldn't drag on forever and be unresolvable. You know, I think at some point you do something like cut the Gordian knot, which I do think to some degree the Abraham Accords had begun to do. You know, I think it's, I don't think Israel... Sorry, I'm I'm not really sure what these uh, Abraham Accords are. So let me just, let me Google it here. Abraham Accords. Let's see. What does it say? Okay. We, the undersigned, recognize the importance of maintaining and strengthening peace in the Middle East around the world based on mutual understanding. La la la. We 
We encourage efforts to promote interfaith and intercultural dialogue. We believe the best way to address challenges through cooperation and dialogue, developing friendly relations among states, advances the interests of lasting peace in the Middle East and around the world. We seek tolerance and respect for every person in order to make this world a place where all can enjoy a life of dignity, hope, no matter the race, faith, or ethnicity. We support science, art, medicine, and commerce to inspire humankind, maximize human potential, and bring nations closer together. We seek to end radicalization and conflict to provide all children a better future. We pursue a vision of peace, security, and prosperity in the Middle East and around the world. In this spirit, we warmly welcome and are encouraged by the progress already made in establishing diplomatic relations between Israel and its neighbors in the region under the principles of the Abraham Accords. We're encouraged by the ongoing efforts to consolidate and expand such friendly relations based on shared interests and shared commitment. Okay, and uh, is it the Israel-Bahrain agreement? Let's let's see here. Okay, and it's just signed by a bunch of people. Okay, what about this? Abraham Accords Declaration of Peace, Cooperation, and Constructive Diplomatic and Friendly Relations, announced by the State of Israel and the Kingdom of Bahrain in 2020. Okay. Okay, I understand. So it's like a bunch of people signed this uh, document along the same lines. Kingdom of Morocco, United States, and State of Israel, referring to the telephone conversation held between His Majesty and Donald Trump. Okay, highlighting proclamation by the United States of America on recognizing the sovereignty of the Kingdom of Morocco over the Western Sahara. Okay, recalling the exchange of views. Okay. Okay, based on the above, Kingdom of Morocco, United States, and the State of Israel agree to commit to fully respect the elements contained in the present declaration, decide that each party will fully implement its commitments. Okay, I see. So they agreed to some concessions in the area, something like that. Okay, anyway, so apparently this uh, led to some tension. Israel's going away. But I don't think the Palestine isn't going away either. And so those things have to be accepted. It looks to me like they have to be accepted as on-the-ground realities. Now, the, the problem I've seen continually, I don't know, is that it's been convenient to use the Palestinians as an irritant to Israel in the West. And so the Palestinians have been held hostage. You know, the people who portray them as innocent victims presume that the Palestinians have been held hostage by the Jews, let's say. But I would say the Palestinians have been held hostage even more effectively by their own leadership and by those who are perfectly willing to use them as the front man, the expendable front man to irritate Israel in the West. Well, you can't get peace under those circumstances, you know. And so Palestine is a reality that isn't going to go away and Israel's a reality that isn't going to go away. And the Abraham Accords started to recognize that and there was move in the right direction. And if that falls apart, we're going to be back to where we were. Yeah. 15 years ago. So the the idea being that, uh, oh, I understand. Okay. So the point is that they were willing to actually engage in effectively peace talks or, you know, the equivalent to peace talks, like they're willing to actually agree on something as opposed to just hurting each other. Okay, I, I understand the idea now. To go except worse. The, the interesting moment for me came when Israel turned off the power and the water. Um, they just 
were able to do that to two million people in Gaza. They could turn off the internet. And it struck me that that was a very vivid reminder that Israel effectively controls Gaza. It doesn't do so politically, but it does in reality. And that for many young people in Gaza, they know this, and they do feel that they've been living in a perpetual prison camp. Interesting. I'd never heard that before, but I mean, if a foreign country can decide at any point to turn off your whole country, you know, or the capital of your country, that's not going to be a... Wait, actually, let me look it up because I'm not really familiar here. Okay, let's see. What's what's the capital here? Is it Gaza? Sorry, I spelled it like crap. So this is what I get for typing it with her. Okay. Proclaimed capital, Jerusalem. Largest city, Gaza. And then we have, what is the real capital? Jerusalem is called the capital uh, of the state of Palestine. And in 2002, this law was ratified by Yasser Arafat. There you go. Is Gaza the capital of Palestine? The Palestinians claim Jerusalem is the capital, or they do not exercise authority over the city. Ramallah and Gaza City serve as the de facto capitals of the West Bank and Gaza, respectively. Um... Okay, there you go. So <laughs> that's <laughs> you. You can understand why there might be some tension, where their movement is controlled, where their access to basic things like water and energy and so on is controlled. So the biggest city, controlled, uh, and that in, until they get the freedom that they crave, this can never get resolved. Well, but I also you know, that's indeed true. Understand on the other side that the Israelis feel, how can we? give freedom to a place that is run by a terror group who are literally committed to the eradication of not only Israel, but all Jewish people. Well, you laid out, you laid out what are the two sets of valid counterclaims. I mean, there's another complicating factor too. You know, you, you said that you, you know, your moral back is up because of the continual toll in civilians in Palestine, especially among people who, let's say, weren't even born when they first came to power. Mm. And so it's very difficult to look at that and see it as anything but unjust. But then it begs a whole other set of questions too, doesn't it? It's like, well, if your government is a totalitarian band of armed criminal thugs, what responsibility do you bear for that as, as the subjected people? And, you know, it's not like I know the answer to that. But, you know, I see in my own country in Canada that things are slipping and sliding in all sorts of pathological directions and people are letting it happen. And if you let that happen long enough, well, things get very, very bad. And they have got very, very bad in Palestine. And the answer to whatever tyranny Israel might be exerting over the Palestinians isn't for the Palestinians to exert even more tyranny over themselves, especially not in concert with a third party like Iran, who's perfectly willing to sacrifice them at any point. And so now, and then that question emerges, well, what responsibility do the Palestinians bear? Well, then I think we start to touch on more metaphysical issues. It's like, well, 
the Palestinians, like all people, bear the responsibility to live in truth and to stand up to tyranny in their, in their deeds, their attention and their deeds and their actions. Because if you don't, you pay for that, and so do your children, right? And then so do your grandchildren, and so do your great-grandchildren. And, you know, there seems to be something unjust in that, in that why did the children suffer? And the biblical answer to that has always been, well, the children suffer for the sins of their forefathers. Right, so the implication is uh, the government is a disaster, and it needs to be what? What is Jordan implying here? Overthrown? Uh, okay. I mean, as as he said earlier, easier to say from your armchair, right? Easier when it's not your family, your neck on the line. And you might think, well, it's pretty unfair that the world is set up that way. It's like, hey, it might be unfair, but it is set up that way, and it does beg the question. What responsibility do the people who are living under the thumb of totalitarians have for the fact that they're living under the thumb of totalitarians? And the answer isn't none. Right. So Precisely. This is why I'm a psychologist, not a politician. I no, no, but I think it's a really interesting question. It's also an interesting question. Why, why won't Arab states around Gaza take in Palestinian refugees? I mean, Wait, they, what? They're not? Interesting. I wonder if that's because they're afraid of the same thing happening to them. Interesting. Oh, man. What a total nightmare. These are legitimate right. questions. Right. Well, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of chain and saber rattling about how tyrannical Israel is. And, of course, they're held to a very higher moral standard. But, you know, the prison that is Palestine has walls on sides that aren't Israeli. So, and that no one is certainly not the progressives will never talk about that. And that's partly because, you know, all the oppressed people are equally morally virtuous. And so the fact that the Arabs won't take in the Palestinians, you can't even bring that up because, of course, the Arabs themselves are victims of Western colonialism, which is, you know, one of the most absurd propositions ever set forth by anyone about anything. But, you know. Yeah, it's kind of insane when you think about it, uh, considering... Actually, ironically, the the Arabian Empire lasted has lasted longer than the American one, by a lot, right? Uh, actually, here we can Google it, and look, look, you can see the dates for yourself. Okay. Ah, uh, where are we? Where is our timeline here? Okay, well, 6.30, I don't know about that, it, it should be a little bit later, but anyway. Okay, so there you go, so, okay, if we want to go as far back as that, 600, till when? Well, yeah, okay, the Ottoman uh, Caliphate is an extension of the, of the Arabian one, but... Okay, so we had till what, till 12? No, it's further, yeah, there you go. Uh, 1500, at least, so... There you go. So if you want to go that far back, you can go, what, 600 to 1500. So it's 900 years. So almost a thousand year long empire. Compare that to America, fallen after 100 years or so. And then tell me that they were the oppressed ones. 
It's nuts, obviously. Well, here we are. Yeah, anyway. And it is quite a miracle in some ways that that the the multidimensional if you combine the Ottoman Empire then it was it, it was until World War 1. So, what is it? The year 600 until World War 1. 1300 years. Empire. Of course, it, you know, changed and morphed and so on, but you get the idea. You can't go and say that, like, the Americans are the oppressors or whatever. That's crazy. You know, it's like, what? Or even the British Empire, which didn't last anywhere near that. It was, it was what, 200 years or so? Man, am I, like, on another planet here? Sorry, guys. My uh, history is a little bit, like, you know... A little bit not perfect. Okay, let's see. Began with the overseas possessions and trading posts established in the late 16th and 17th centuries and ended around 1900, around uh, the First World War again. So uh, 16th century is the year 1500. So that's around, what, 400 years? Versus 1300? So there you go. So tell me. Who, who is the one that had a greater impact on world history? Well, maybe British Empire had a greater impact on modern history, but did it really? Think about the Renaissance and the information, where it came from, right? Who actually saved the text that allowed for the Renaissance to happen in Europe? Was it Europe? Or was it the Arabian Empire? Anyway, let's continue. The fact of Palestinian enslavement isn't discussed in a much more forthright manner. There's many people are building the walls that, that make Palestine into whatever prison it is. And perhaps the Israelis are playing their role, but they're by no means the only actors. Let's talk about the response of progressives, and in particular, what's Disaster. happening on student campuses, particularly in America. You know, I've been struck by, by two things. One, the horrifying immediate response, not just in America, but... When you saw mobs in Sydney, Australia, chanting gas the Jews, when you saw huge protests by the Israeli embassy in Kensington and West London, near where I live, um, all celebrating. This is all within hours of what happened on October the 7th. You saw similar scenes in America. Um, So the gut reaction of many young people appeared to be to be celebrating what had happened. And you even had... Some it was a Cornell uh, professor who you know was heard in public saying how exhilarated he was mm-hmm. by what happened, mm-hmm. and still hasn't been fired. Um, and these mm-hmm. are people who've driven this cancel culture for many years now. Where if you use the wrong pronoun, they want you eradicated, fired, shamed, abused, and so on. Um, but here, if you celebrate the actions of a terrorist organization and killing fifteen hundred people. You actually don't lose your job, student. Yeah, that's that's actually crazy. That's 2023, ladies and gentlemen. That's that statement there describes 2023 perfectly in one sentence. How absolutely absurd is that? Students who beamed pro-Hamas rhetoric onto the building at George Washington University. They haven't lost their places 
at that university. So even for the most heinous possible thing that you could do, which might warrant cancellation, the people who've driven cancel culture spare themselves. Ah, big surprise. What is, it? What is the expression? All animals are equal, but some are more equal than others? I, I, I seem to remember reading that somewhere. Well, this shows you how shallow the oppressor, oppress, oppression, oppressor narrative really is. Oppressed, oppressor narrative really is. It's just a vie for power. You know, George Orwell famously said... Ah, look, there it is. The typical middle-class socialist didn't love the poor. They just hated the rich. And... Indeed. I think the oppressor, oppressed narrative gives people moral license to identify the oppressor and to hate them resentfully with a good conscience. Plus, it's also extremely simple-minded, you know. And this is one of the problems with, with what's being taught in universities and even much more broadly than that now. The notion is we can view all human social relations and the past itself through a meta-Marxist narrative that proclaims that there are only oppressors and victims and that all you... Right. You have to do to be moral is to be on the side of the victim. <laughs> exactly. But if you're on the, the winning side, which happens to be the victim side, then are you really the victim or are you the oppressor? And that's the, that's the real. There's the real rub. Now, the shadow side of that is that once you proclaim your moral superiority and you're on the side of the victim, well, number one, you don't have to think anymore. You just have to identify the two sets of players. And number two, number two, you're moral without effort because all you have to do is feel sorry for the victims. And then consequence number three is the oppressor being... Virtue signaling. Intrinsically evil can be the target of everything that's right. resentful and bitter and exactly. absolutely dreadful about you. Now, that's exactly. the standard narrative that's being taught on university campus. Which isn't too far from the French Revolution, really, right? That's effectively what happened. And the Palestinians play the role of victim. And so you can't argue against the Palestinian cause, let's say, if, if you were inclined to, without simultaneously having to face the weight of every single person who's adopted the oppressor-oppressed narrative... Right, exactly, which is a simplistic view of the world that lacks shades of grey and is a disaster. Upending that, and there's no way the university, not in, a, not, it's not in the state they're in now, there's no way that's going to fly. Right. And so, and so we see exactly what happened. The, the narrative's already in place. All oppressed people are innocent and virtuous victims. Ah, yes. Right, because the world is exactly black and white. There are no shades of grey. Obviously, utterly ridiculous. Well, so then when something like this happens and you see the Palestinian victims rise up against their evil Jewish overlords, then it's time for celebration. You know, and we forget entirely that the evil Jewish overlord story was the same story that the Germans used so successfully. Indeed. And we also forget, and this is very interested in relationship to Iran, I was reading a book by Stefan Zweig yesterday about turn-of-the-century Vienna, just at the end of the Austrian-Hungarian Empire, and the dawning of the movements that eventually morphed into Nazism in Germany. And one of the things Zweig pointed out was that, you know, if you're a corrupt, oppressing psychopath 
who's hell-bent on exploiting the population, and you want to deflect that, the Jews make a constant positive universal target, right? Because they tend to be disproportionately successful. And you can just say, well, you know, I'm not the oppressor here. It's those successful Jews. And that's being played out now. That's the disaster. That's, that's the guys, that's the disguise of left-wing anti-Semitism. I mean, it's a terrifying... We don't hate the Jews. We just love their enemies. Right. I mean, the... Right. Yeah. Very subtle. Yeah, the, the, the anti-Semitic response in the last three weeks has been actually quite terrifying to watch. I've got Jewish friends who are literally living in real fear now, um, yeah. some of whom were in Israel at the time and thought, well, the world will rally behind us and actually very quickly realized that they, in many cases that wasn't the case. In fact, the complete opposite. Uh, and then you saw these scenes in Dagestan at the airport with a mob literally charging around trying to find any Jewish passengers they could find. And it was a little bit scary, little bit reminiscent of something a hundred years ago. I mean, horrendous, but also... Look up the Night of Long Knives. Oh, if you're Jewish, this is utterly terrifying and must take you right back to Nazi Germany, World War II, Indeed. the Holocaust... Right. But this never again, it, it is beginning to happen again. Well, I think we could be heartened in that regard by the counter position, though, too. I mean, I would say the, the reasonable majority in the Western world didn't take that stance. Right. Thank goodness. Still, and quite forthrightly, I mean, even my prime minister, Justin Trudeau, who virtually never says a true word in his life or makes a he, his his actions are concatenations of false gestures even you know he was he came out with a pretty forthright statement um decrying what had happened on the hamas side and that has characterized the leadership of the west in general and so i can certainly understand why that the tiny minority of Jews that do exist in the world are terrified about what's happening. You know, it, it, there's, there's no reason for catastrophic alarm. It's, you, you know what I mean? It, it doesn't look to me like this is going to spiral out of control. And I'm not even so certain that in the medium to long run, it's going to be the worst possible thing. Because you know, too, the other thing that happened is that a lot of the false moral disguise of the progressive types was exposed in a rap yep <laughs> i mean they're characterized by low verbal intelligence so that's all that needs to be understood about that all right let's end the video there hit the like hit the sub hit all the notifications Drop me a donation like Hunter M, Adrian Alton, and Bobby, and Dylan. Shoutouts to you, most recent purchaser of Strategist Guide to Seduction and Quotes to Live By. Thank you. My books can be found at bit.ly slash heliosbooks. My Patreon can be found at patreon.com slash the heliosblog. And of course, if you'd like some coaching, message me at the heliosblog at gmail.com. I'll sort you right in. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening, especially if you listen to the end. Take care of yourselves, and I'll see you next time.